Hey everyone, welcome back to the Real Leaders Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sue Heilbronner, and this episode is the beginning of something I think you might find really interesting. We've started a series of AMA meetings, Ask Me Anything meetings, on the topic of conscious leadership. And the first one was so interesting that I thought you might want to hear it. If you want to participate in an AMA in the future and share your leadership questions, all you have to do is be a Merge Lane portfolio company or join us for any half-day or multi-day conscious leadership camp or couples camp. To learn more about those Boulder-based camps, visit www.leadership.camp. Here's your inside view of these leaders' challenges and questions around their own companies in the context of conscious leadership. Thanks for joining us on this first call around conscious leadership. It's framed as an Ask Me Anything. I'm Sue Heilbronner. I'll be the host of this call. And lots of you have lots of experience with this work. So I imagine that what we'll try today is to co-create an experience that's of service. I frame this as an Ask Me Anything because I didn't want to create an agenda. So I haven't, as I've told you all. Let's try just a quick check-in. And just think about the last moment that conscious leadership arose for you in your life, work life, personal life, and just share that maybe in a maximum of two outbreaths. So the last moment it arose for me was last night when a good friend was upset with me for not doing a second call with one of her cousins about a business her cousin was starting. And I shared that I didn't want to do the call. And I noticed that that came from a place of time scarcity. And after a bit, I was able to see that I wasn't that attached to being right about whether it was right to do the call or to be asked to do the call. So we'll just popcorn around, just jump in whenever you're ready and come off mute. Hi, I'm Danielle. The last time conscious leadership arose for me was last night when I was having a learning partner meeting with a fellow forum participant and started getting clear around just talking through a goal of mine, which has been to dive into public speaking more. And when I realized what was at the source of that goal, I realized it was a need for or a desire for external validation, which really comes from my Enneagram type three. So I was able to get some more space around that. Nice. Who's next? Um, I can jump in. I think it comes up daily, if not hourly sometimes. Um, but this evening at the very end of the work day, uh, someone asked me, hey, we're going to dinner tomorrow. Do you want to come? And I have a tendency to you know, make myself available. I am available, but I thought about it and I thought, no, I don't want to go. And I, I very like confidently said, no, thank you. But so it was about kind of not necessarily being of service and adapting to what everyone else wants me to do and really recognizing what do I want. Nice. Who else? Sarah. Uh, and I, find opposite of my story helpful almost every day. Find myself feeling judgmental of someone and really sort of try to pretty quickly kind of go into 
what, how is this true about me? And how is this, how is this person not this way? Um, so thinking about judging friends recently about decisions they make and, and things that I perceive that they care about that I don't think are important. And then immediately kind of thinking about like, how do I think those things are important? How have they demonstrated that they have other priorities? Nice. Thanks, Sarah. Anyone else? I actually have one that's super similar to Steven's. I was staying at a friend's house this weekend and uh, he was helping me with a project. And at the end he said, well, you know, you could stick around for an, another couple of days that I could keep helping you. And, you know, you could help me with some of these projects. And I realized that I was scared of saying no because I didn't have that like full yes to it and just kind of said no anyway. He was like, okay, cool. Well, next time you're in town, let me, like, let's hang out. It was just a, a nice reminder that uh, the conflict isn't always what I make it in my head. Mm. Anyone else? Hi, Sue. I'm Cynthia. Um, Hi, Cynthia. I know you know that, but hello to everyone else. <laughs> Uh, I had a, a, a moment actually just an hour before this call, um, I'm leading a working group and um, some of the problems that the working group has set out to solve, my business essentially was created to solve and I had this moment on the call of um, not wanting the conversation to like get out of my control um, and I think it came from uh, fear, like a scarcity fear, like this is an opportunity for my business and um, I, I basically just at one point when there was a nice pause in the call, um, kind of owned the fact that in full transparency, this is what we do and I'm not going to bring it up again, but I felt the need to kind of get it out there so I could let it go and then move on to help problem solve in, in ways that may or may not include my business, so. Nice catch. Anyone else want to contribute? And if you just joined, we're just sharing if you have a moment in recent life in the last few weeks or month where conscious leadership has come up for you. Hey, this is Alex. Um, this morning I gave my co-founder a withhold, but I think I have a little bit more on the table that I want to think about. I, she, she received it very well, but I think there's some other stuff going on that I want to think about and talk to her about later today. Huh. I want to mention, if you're not on mute, if you would self-mute, that would be fantastic. I'd appreciate it. Most of you are. A couple of you aren't. And if I mute you, you won't be able to unmute yourself. Alex, I'm curious in your example, did you know when you were sharing this thing that you were withholding with your partner, business partner, did you know that you were holding back or did the actual process of sharing the withhold help you see that there was something you were holding back that you hadn't thought about? No, I knew that I was holding back. It's a little bit because I want to figure out, I think I'm a little below the line on the thing. And I want to kind of come to terms with what's I should take responsibility for and what I think I want to, what I want to share with her. Nice. So I was hoping this call would be helpful for that. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, let's come back to you. We'll see if there's anyone else who wants to share this moment, but I do have some thoughts on processes around owning your issue. And I, one thing I think about a lot is I end up working with a lot of female entrepreneurs. Some of you are on this call. And 
I, I find that when I'm exposed to normal people in business, they're always advising people not to walk around the world saying we're crushing it and to hold back and to get a real sense of your business and not to be an asshole. And one of the things I find around a lot of the CEOs in my world, the leaders in my world, is that's not their issue. Their actual issue is they're owning their issue too much. And they're not sharing what they want, as, as Stephen and Keith both talked about. The issue is not a need to correct them about being arrogant and dismissive. The issue is a need to really own what you want. So we'll come back to that. Is there anyone else, Steph, I see you on this call. Anyone else who wants to share something that's come up around conscious leadership in the last recent time? Alex, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Do you have a question around that? I do. I haven't formulated my question though. So could I just tell you the situation? Sure. Okay. You can tell all of us the situation. We usually do weekly sales check-ins where it's like, what customers have you talked to this week? But my co-founder's out on maternity leave and I have really enjoyed not having sales check-ins. I don't like them and I'm trying to figure out why I don't like them. But one thing is I feel like nagged and I, I don't like that feeling. But, but she asked to do a check-in <laughs> at the end of this week. And I, when she asked, I, I felt like, oh God, I don't want to do this. And I haven't shared that with her and I, I want to share that with her. Like, I, I think part of why I feel nagged is I wish that I had contacted more customers. I, I feel bad for not doing as much as I would like to do. But I also think our check-ins could be like different and useful. I, I, I dread them and I don't want to. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, uh I know this information, but other people might not. Who's the number one salesperson at your company? Um, me. And if we think about this idea of 100% responsibility in this situation, what does 100% responsibility look like for you in the context? You're the CEO of the company, right? Mm -hmm. So what does 100% responsibility look like in crafting your weekly meetings? I'm not totally sure, but maybe me figuring out what would be useful, like me proposing a plan for how to run that. Yes, I like that. I think that's a really nice idea. And I think another piece of this I'm curious about, what's your Enneagram type? I always forget. Do you remember the name? I think six. Yes, that may be right. Yes. So, um, I'm just wondering, in order to own all of this issue, how are you judging yourself around your sales activities um, and nagging yourself and shaming yourself, like leaving aside what you could be doing to do a better job? What else is happening there in self-judgment? Okay, I, I feel like I should be contacting more people, but I'm, I'm not sure if I answered that question in the. Do, do you, do you judge yourself for that? Or do you feel yeah. like that because you know, there's a check-in coming? A little bit of both. I, th I think I 
I want to do more than I can actually do. <laughs> okay. But also maybe I could do it all. Oh. I don't think I have a good accurate sense of what I can do and then I feel bad for not doing what I've done and but I don't think someone else being like have you done it yet is gonna help me do more I think that what would help me do more is like if we had better processes in place to so I didn't have to like write up a new proposal every time at, like as a quick mm -hmm. yeah okay so that that sounds like a withhold yeah that there's yeah. too much friction. In your opinion, there's a lot of friction associated with the sales process that is holding yeah. the process back. That sounds good. And have you shared that? No, but I definitely will. Yeah. And then I would look at what 100% responsibility looks like there, especially if you're a six like that, you would want to have a process there that would make this fairly seamless to have yeah. sales. Yeah. And you've had some challenges bringing on new people to do sales other than you and your co-founder, right? Yep. Yeah. So I might, it might be nice to take a deep dive into those processes and see how not only it's, it might be limiting you and your ability to do it all, as you say, but it might also be limiting new entrants into your sales process in terms of yeah. their success. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yes. Great. And a big part of owning this is just owning how you're the one who's actually holding yourself to a standard that may not be achievable. Yeah. And yeah. you're, you're being triggered by this thing that's doing this because you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Alex, what's one next action that you'd like to take that you feel willing, you have a full body. Yes. To taking if, if any, there may not be one. I want to call my co-founder and be like, Hey, like I, I want to call her today and talk to her about this as opposed to, coming up with a process first and then talking to her about it. Nice. Nice. I like the idea of you guys being in the mess of it without it being completely resolved. That sounds really good. And also co-creating a process. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And one, one other question, is this kind of a withhold familiar to you? Yes. And what, what's sort of the category? How would you define the category of this kind of withhold? Um, I feel like someone is annoyed with me. And I, I believe them to some degree because I feel shame. And then I, I feel like more stuck underneath a lot of stuff. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. And we'll just notice there's an unconscious commitment there to be stuck and to have that feeling and just start to get more familiar with it. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Alex. Who else has something they want to talk about? Uh, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is um, uh, accepting, just accepting the thoughts that come into my mind, accepting the ways that I am and things that I may or may not like about how I am. And I think, yeah, Sue, definitely like talking, like hearing at leadership camp, like your reflections on how you are and how like your thoughts on yourself have evolved over time. I'm sort of interested to get a sense of like, what is the line between, how do you distinguish between the things that are true about yourself that are indelible and that are not gonna change and things that you wanna do some thinking and some work around that you do wanna change. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
It's funny. I, I wonder, I'm just sitting, Sarah, with this idea that sort of anything would be indelible. You know, I think that so much of what we, even the stuff that we think is indelible comes down to thoughts and interpretations that we make up and then begin to own that start really, really early in our lives in any event. So they feel indelible, but probably aren't. I'm curious, just for, just because it'll be more interesting and maybe more valuable, and you can stay off mute while we're talking. Do you have an example of something that is one of these qualities around yourself that you wonder about? Yeah, I mean, I think um, this has come up a lot in thinking about, um, yeah, what's a good example? There's almost like too many examples. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a really silly example, but like, I am very, I like things a certain way. I like things to be a certain way. I like around my apartment and I like things to just be done in a way that I think is like good. And thinking about having a high standard, like and when I frame it that way, I think it's healthy and good and a good part of my personality. And um, I think in other ways it's like perfectionism and um, being really uh, being really attached to outcomes, right? Of like, this needs to be this certain way in a way that is not as healthy or helpful. So if you think about that quality, uh, I guess my first question is, can you think of a recent example where that tension has arisen for you? Uh, like with, yeah, my boyfriend in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And uh, what, what did he want to do? Or what's one thing he was doing that was triggering you? Just like not doing, I don't know, like not doing something exactly the way that I want. Putting the wrong pillowcase on the wrong pillow. Crazy. Totally. That, yeah. that is a disaster. Um, so, <laughs> so when we, th I mean, when we think about that example, so boyfriend puts the wrong pillowcase on pillow. What's one judgment you have about your boyfriend? It's not even a judgment. Like there's no way that he would know that. It's just like, I just want it that way. <laughs> Are you sure there's not a judgment? I find that very surprising. Yeah. Check again. Yeah, I mean, maybe that I think he's like not observing the where, where the pillowcases were before. <laughs> totally. Right. But I, but I know that is insane. Like I think about it and that is insane. Right. So you both have the judgment and then shame yourself for having the judgment. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's play with the judgment anyway. So my boyfriend is not observant is the judgment, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, let's, let's make it even more specific. Uh, my boyfriend is not observant about the way things ought to be around the house. Yep. Does that feel resonant or is it more resonant to say my boyfriend is not observant about the way I like things around my house? Mm, I think the form, the former. Okay. The way they should be. I mean, that's yeah. even more obvious, right? Like yeah. there's just a certain subjective. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, everyone <laughs> should see that. So, uh, so just for kicks, let's play around with the opposite of that story. My boyfriend is not observant about the way things should be around the house. 
So the first, the first opposite we'll play with is my boyfriend is observant about the way things should be around the house. And I'm just curious, what are three ways it's true that he is observant about this? Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Uh, about to have, about to have someone over for dinner, uh, cleans off the table, you know, of all of our crap that has accumulated there. Totally. Uh, empties the dishwasher, takes garbage out, all the things. Yeah. Well, not all the things because the pillowcase is all totally. Up, Those are three yeah. examples. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. And what's one way that you are not observant? What are three ways it's true that you are not observant about the way things should be around the house? Uh, forget to water the plants. Uh, leave dishes in the sink. And... Find yeah, one more. Clutter. Around. There's all the crap that accumulates on the table before you have people over. Oh, that's mine. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Nice. It's good that he takes care of it. So the first place to go around this simple action, uh, you actually referred to it at the beginning of this call, yeah. opposite of my story. So just getting a little more space around the judgments. And the second thing that's coming up for me is noticing the persona here and this this really strikes me as an example of a persona that feels more like a wetsuit persona to you than, you know, that cardigan sweater where you could just take it on and off. Like when you're entertaining yeah. guests, uh, can you, do you know you have a, do you have a persona when you're entertaining guests after the table's been cleaned off? A little bit. Yeah. So tell me a little, just to get a feel for what personas are like, what, tell me a little bit about that persona. When you say person. the persona and the wetsuit persona thing, I think more than the entertaining, I think what comes up for me is like, it like extends, I think, to like all the stuff. Like, and that's what I mean about that. It's like, this is seems, this example is helpful, but really it's like a larger thing of just like having control, I think, over like everything and like being in control and things being of a high quality like that feels more like a wetsuit that like everything is going well and like it's all settled you know yeah that makes sense i was trying to draw a delineation between what i imagined was a lighter persona a cardigan sweater persona mm -hmm. so i was thinking maybe your entertainer is a cardigan sweater persona. oh yeah yeah that's true you put it on, you behave a certain way, the table's clean for the first time in two weeks, whatever. So mm -hmm. that, that is what it is. And then, yes, I think this perfectionist persona is more of a wetsuit persona, meaning it's just harder to take on and off. It's just, it, it's hard to distinguish. It's the question you raised at the beginning. Like, how can I distinguish it between things that are just inherent in me and things that are personas? I think to me, this is one of the biggest pieces of work and one of the biggest opportunities in conscious leadership is if you can create more separation between that core wetsuit persona and be even be able to see it as a persona mm -hmm. instead of as something that is inherent in you. And even in this conversation, you've shared a few ways that we can know that that perfectionist persona is not inherent because you stack a bunch of crap on your table and you don't water your plants and totally. they're alive. So... <laughs> So we actually can find places where that persona is not on the job. 
So let's just do a quick persona interview. Let's, let's assume for a moment that that is a persona. Your perfectionism one is a persona. Let's name her and let's just do a quick interview of her. Does that sound okay to you? Sure. Okay. So in order to do that, we want to give her, and maybe a him, I don't know, it may be a them, I'm not sure, but we want to give that persona a name. So Sarah, on, on the spot here, come up with the name of that persona. Perfect Patty. Perfect Patty. All right. So we're going to talk to Perfect Patty about Sarah. And if you guys have your leadership camp book, this, this page is in there, this persona interview. And I actually don't have mine in front of me, so this will be a little bit off. But, um, but you have it. And if you don't, just feel free to drop me an email after this call, and I'll send this to you. So perfect, Patty. I'm going to talk to you about Sarah. So perfect, Patty. When did you come into Sarah's life? Very, very early. Can you remember a time, like a specific time where it was super early in Sarah's life and you just remember showing up? Oh, man. Um, yeah, practicing uh, like softball, hitting, like hitting softball with my dad, getting very frustrated, not not hitting the ball, not doing it the way he thought I should do it. Yeah, this is a perfect Patty origin story, definitely. Mm. My dad, who is very much this way. So perfect Patty, who did you learn your style from? My dad, or Sarah's dad. And even outside of softball, Perfect Patty, do you remember watching Sarah's dad exhibit this behavior that just really taught you the script for how to be? Yep. Like all the time. What's one other way you remember him modeling this for you? Uh, loading. The right way to load the dishwasher. Uh, very controversial topic in my household. Uh, just had a clean your shoes, like literally everything. Yeah. And perfect Patty, what are you most afraid of? Well, I am a two, so not being loved for, yeah, like not doing things exactly the right way. In that vein, perfect Patty, what do you most want? everything to be exactly as I want it to be or how I think it should be so that people will think I'm good and love me. What's an essence quality, a high side, a really beautiful quality that you bring to Sarah's life? Uh, really high quality of things that I do, that I do like do things that are of high quality and that are helpful. And last, perfect Patty, what's one cost that Sarah experiences of having you around? Uh, actually, 
pissing off other people about the perfectionism and actually like pushing them away. Nice. So connection. Yeah. I, I, ironically, uh, Perfect Patty's highly motivated by love and approval of other people. And Perfect Patty also causes, costs Sarah love of other people, connection with other people. Mm-hmm. So in that exercise, are you able, like, are you able to get any more insight about this question of perfectionism being inherent versus perfectionism being learned? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think you're totally right that like there isn't really any such thing as inherent. Like it's so clear to me sort of like, yeah, the, the origin of this and like, but I don't know if for some reason, yeah, it doesn't make it feel any less like wetsuity kind of. So I guess just thinking about, yeah, like I think just the awareness of thinking about it that way is like helpful to be like, it doesn't have to be that way necessarily. And, uh, you know, I, in this work, we tend to sort of play with the other edge. Like instead yeah. of talking you out of perfect Patty, like go all the way with perfect Patty. Uh, yeah. One thing Leah gave me to do once when I moved into my new house, I, I was even more particular about how things were done in my house. And uh, she would come and be a guest, which was a distinctly uncomfortable experience. So one time she suggested that I take post-it notes and I put post-it notes all around the house with all of the directions for how to do things and just go all the way. I mean, literally it would have been hundreds of post-it <laughs> notes. And that I, and I'm just wondering about whether you'd be game to play with your boyfriend. Yeah. And just leave him notes everywhere. Like if he goes away on a business trip, when he comes back, he just comes back to so many directions just so <laughs> you can really get the experience, even visually of looking around and getting to know perfect Patty better, getting to adore her for how nice she allows your space to be, but also to see like, Oh, okay. Is this the user manual I really want for my relationship and my home? And right. Yeah. yeah. I, I just think bringing more play to Thank this you. might help. Yeah. Thanks for raising that. Anything else anyone wants to talk about? Okay. I have something I think I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you need a minute to decide? No, I, I do want to talk about it. I, I, I don't want to run in circles around it. So I'm, I'm trying to think about how to focus it, but, um, I've, I've just come off of nine weeks, uh, of travel. Um, you know, not, not gone the entire work week, but basically gone, you know, a minimum of two days, if, if not three to four for nine weeks straight. And this is my first week at home in Boulder. Um, it's my week of self care, uh, because I need it. Um, and I, I think what I, I'm, curious to ask about as, as, a, as a person who also travels a lot for your business. I, I'm struggling to take care of myself when I'm on the road. I, I'm not able to keep routines. Um, there's a lot of business and social type of engagement for the work that I do, which means usually it involves a lot of drinking. Um, even if I'm not drinking a lot, I'm usually drinking a little something. Um, candidly, I'm perimenopausal, so I'm not sleeping well anyway. <laughs> you add some, you know, like, God knows what time zone I'm in, what hotel I'm in, you know, all this other stuff. And um, I, I feel as though my mental attitude has actually been fairly open and positive and um, 
you know, just trying to go with the flow a little bit and not beat up on myself because of, you know, a food choice or a lack of exercise choice or things like that. Um, but I would, I know that I'm, I'm having a break, but I'm, I'm going to end up having to go back on the road um, at some point. My job requires a fair amount of travel. And um, I just, in the years that I've been doing this, I just haven't, I must have an unconscious commitment to being miserable and unhealthy when I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm just trying to, so my question to you is like, have you, is there um, a technique or a, a something I'm, I'm struggling with this and I, I really would like to stop. Yeah, Cynthia, what's coming up for me and anyone else who wants to chime in, feel free. What's coming up for me is it just feels like as I listen to you talk, there's a whole set of rules about how it looks to be successful in travel. Interesting. In your uh -huh. business. And I just heard a few of them. Like, uh, I have to drink. I have to eat a certain way. I have to go to social meals. Uh, I, we could probably go even further under this and talk, you know, my business requires a lot of travel. That, that's probably harder. That's probably more like a wetsuit obligation than one that you could easily let go of. But when I hear you sort of go through this litany, and I really appreciate that you're allowing yourself more space and freedom to go with the flow and to make choices that whatever, like follow, you're actually, at the same time, you're letting go of some rules, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. I'm really appreciating that. When I hear you talk, it just feels like there's like an outsourcing of approval that's happening that escalates around time of travel. Mm -hmm. When you say outsourcing of approval, do you mean in, in, in terms of myself, like I have um, a judgment around my ability to meet up with some standard of what successful travel looks like? Well, maybe that, that may even be more interesting or what I was thinking, and this may not be the most interesting thing is just, I am going to be judged by these other people a certain way. And in order to be successful for myself and the company, which I run, I need to meet their standards for what it looks like to be on the road. If I want to raise money, sell business, whatever it is, this is the way it has to be done because this is the way they want to do it. Mm -hmm. Given that some of them, the, at least the last two weeks of travel have been industry conferences, I think that there, is an, there could be an outsourcing involved there. Um, their colleagues, it's, it's highly visible. Um, I'm conscious of the fact that, that people are, um, yeah, looking at, at me, at my behavior, um, you know, how I'm, how I'm presenting as an indicator of how my company is doing, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm curious, similar to the question I asked Alex, and I, number one, I appreciate that you're playing with this. I appreciate that you're giving yourself some permission. So, so there's this weird dance where you're letting go of some of the strictures and some of the expectations, like it's bad not to work out every single day or whatever your rule may be. I really feel a lot of space there. And so it may just be like, what's the next level? What does a hundred percent responsibility look like for you and there's a way, by the way, that I, when I hear people talk about self-care, I'm like, I don't even know what that means either. Like there's a way that other people define that also. Mm -hmm. 
like it looks like massage and this and that. And I'm like, I don't, is that self? I don't know. Sometimes self-care for me is reading People magazine. Like, so <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering how many of these rules you're as, with 100% responsibility that you're owning, writing and observing or ignoring for yourself. So I'm, I'm a little bit, you asked that question and I, my mind is, is kind of caught up in, in something that you said just prior to it around the next level down. And um, I think that there's enough, there's enough space that I can, I can see, all right, you've got this checklist of stuff that you think you should be doing. And if you're not doing it, then you can set yourself up to give yourself shit about it. And then you can create some other kind of like spiral if you want around that. But I don't, I don't choose to do that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But there is a, there is a, a, um, a, a deeper part um, that I don't think is caught up in some kind of like ego blame game that, that wants to honor my body and like has stuff I want to do with it. And so it's important that I treat it well so that I can go out and do those things. So it's, there's a, a positive, you know, pull to it that is more important to me, I think in a next level down way than, you know, thou shalt and you're bad because you didn't kind of thing. Yeah. So what's your or heretofore unconscious commitment around ignoring that when you do <laughs> i feel like it's like an ego thing well if i can't get you on the other thing i'm gonna get you on this one <laughs> like yeah. even you know it's um yeah i don't know that's a good question but, um anyone else have any thought anything else they see yeah cynthia i feel like we've been in this conversation once before it's uh just like where is the source of your full body yes and your no who gets to own that yeah yeah you're right and my my story and and i've had this story before also is that i will be more successful if i am more accommodating to the ways and mores of a conference or a sales whatever you know like I will be more successful. And the big wake-up call, one of the wake-up calls for me around this pattern has been, how is it true that I will be more successful if I make myself available exactly when I want to in exactly the ways I want to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, in, I was in an industry conference last night and just, I just, I don't know, I like experimented with something. I'm, I'm, I don't really like those kinds of things very much. I'm, I'm not very eloquent at small talk, and, or so I tell myself. I certainly seem that I, I don't like it that much. But what I decided was I really wanted a lot of seltzer. I was really thirsty. So I got like three cans of seltzer and a lot of ice. And I just stood somewhere in this event. I just went somewhere like where it was convenient, where I could put like my food and my drinks on a little counter. You know, it's never convenient. You're like need seven hands and whatever. Um, so I put everything right where I wanted it. And I just decided to stand there to see who would show up. And I had like a full slate of really interesting conversations, all of which just came up to me. And it was just a really nice experiment. I had a little more space around that than you might have in your industry. I had nothing to sell that night, but, but it was shockingly fun. Mm -hmm. I like the and, idea of bringing more fun into it. I think that's a really good, good point. 
Yeah, I would just say, it's just keep paying attention to how am I giving away my power? How am I giving away my power? And what if I owned my power? How much money would I raise? And how much would I sell? Mm-hmm. And how, how much like this idea of, especially in a startup at your stage, like creating that freight train where people need to keep up with it instead mm-hmm. of the tugboat where like you're just sitting around waiting for people to pay attention. I'm, I'm exaggerating this. Sure, terrible sure. metaphor but um yeah i might just look out for that okay and enjoy your week of self-care <laughs> yeah lots of yoga meditating and uh green juices <laughs> okay uh i'd love to hear um from those of you especially those of you who haven't spoken if you choose to speak or or those of you who have well, I'll go because I had something right away when you asked the question. I, I really enjoyed hearing Alex and Sarah's stories um, about it. I, I certainly identify with aspects of um, what you all are uh, were discussing. And so I just, I found it really helpful to um, listen and, um, you know, reflect. So thank you. Thanks. Anything else? Denver, Yes. So I find it really easy to step out of thinking about personas and instead take on a lot of the things that I think that I am as identity. And so it was really important for me to be a part of this call to start thinking through, Sarah, what you shared and so many of the things in my life that I can look at as being a persona and not take on so much and carry around so much as part of my core being. So it was just really helpful for you to share. And I appreciate it. Thanks. Anything else that you got, anyone got from being on this call? Me too. I, there's so much to the conscious leadership and a lot of it has really stuck with me and personas I had kind of forgotten about. And I think, yeah, that was just a super helpful framing. Nice. Keith? I think to what you and Cynthia were talking about around who is the source of approval and, and control, that's been a big theme for me in the last month or so of of really looking and saying like actually no it's this is on me if i if i want to do something it's on me um and not in a bad way but as an opportunity so that was just a it was a helpful reminder of that thank you anything else anyone wants to say that needs to be said to feel complete last blurts one thing I got out of being here today was the question, is this type of withhold familiar to you and what category is it in? So thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to roll out of this edition of Ask Me Anything with Sue Heilbronner for anyone who's been a part of Conscious Leadership Training with Merch Lane or leadership.camp. These conversations are sponsored by Leadership Camp. If you want to join us for a half-day leadership training or a three-day intensive or a two-day couples camp, go to www.leadership.camp and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, everyone.